Don't need any notes. up wrestling fans your host with the most george mckay i'm in the building i'm here my cohort in crime steve the animal mitchell what's up everybody what's up is that we're at episode 46 yeah we're gonna be, we've got four more to go and then we're gonna be on episode 15 it's crazy right? it's crazy yeah man we're almost a year into it and uh just getting better Getting better with age, like a fine wine. Yeah, I feel like we're getting a little bit more controversial in uh, every episode. But not controversial in the way that it's stepping on anybody's toes. Just actually uh, feeling like we're getting a little more factual in, uh, in everything that we're presenting. And seeing it on, bo- on a both side endeavor. Yes, on a flip coin that uh, flips both sides most of the time. And as well, forgot to mention earlier that the voice is not with us tonight. She is uh, a little bit busy. So... Yep. You know? But don't worry. Yes. Don't worry. The animal and the the host are here to salivate all your wrestling needs. I have something to to clean up before we get into today's podcast. Yeah, you got to get to something. (laughs) I got to get to something. So, uh, I have a buddy. Derek. Derek is listening. Derek and I made a bet last week. As you guys all know, I am a sports junkie. I love my hockey, my baseball, my soccer, my football, my basketball. I'm all about sports. Whenever I can get my hands in a conversation, I'm right there in the thick of it. And we made a bet that uh, I am an English soccer fan supporter. So proud of the way this young team came out this year. Made it to the semis. Just came up a little short today against Croatia. If you haven't watched the game, spoiler alert, they lost 2-1 to Croatia in uh, extra time. So, uh, you know, the bet was this. If they went on to the World Cup Finals, he would give me 50 bucks. And if they lost, I would have to say this, and this is a text message I'm reading. What do you have to say? So, from Derek earlier, he sent me this text message. Um, Just soak it all in, and remember, Elise la bleu! Elise la bleu! Chant it like you mean it, and embrace it. So I did. I'm putting my support towards France in the finals. Hopefully they uh, take Croatia out to uh, win the World Cup this year. And uh, Elise La Blue. So yeah, there you go. Elise Navidad. That's what I always say. <laughs> so there you go, Derek. I did my piece. I said Elise La Blue and Viva la France. And I uh, hope they win on Saturday. And now that that's out of the way and I've repaid my debt, let's get into today's episode. Today. Yeah, Derek, this isn't all about you. Now it's time to talk about wrestling. It's time <laughs> to get into the meat and potatoes of today's podcast, which is uh, we're taking a shot. Not really a shot, but we are kind of breaking down our opinions of two of the biggest voices in wrestling in general, whether it be podcasts, written word, anything. We're, we're talking about Mr. Jim Cornette, a.k.a. Anger Management Issues, and uh, we're talking about Mr. 90% of the time, he's 75% of the time, 60% of the time, factual, Dave Meltzler. <laughs> Dave, Mr. Dave Meltzer. Mr. Dave Meltzer. Mr. I'm kind of factual, but I'm not kind of factual, so I'm just going to throw stuff out and let the fans pick it apart, which, with the age that we are in, with the internet age, 
a lot of information is easily accessible. So therefore, any story that's posted can pretty much be researched and ripped apart 20 ways from Sunday. Yeah, and that's pretty much the same. So you know what? It's really the same thing with uh, with even Sam Roberts. There's a lot of assumptions that get made with between uh, the the three of them, of the, those four or five of them, whatever you really want to whatever you really want to talk as far as like podcasters and things like that. Even Bruce Pritchard, actually, that's the entire reason why they got Conrad Thompson to come in and actually really ask the the primitive questions and actually call the guy out, actually call Bruce out when he's factually incorrect on the thing that he is presenting or it seems that way and so there's maybe more to an answer for it and so there's really that that other end that's really pushing for the other side of the story to really give it and paint it the solid picture of of, of what it actually is supposed to be and i feel like with uh with dave and and jim unfortunately they they get a bad rap because of uh just like uh, george said about jim having a lot of anger management issues a lot of a lot of vince russo issues if you oh. will um, and same with uh, same with Meltzer. There's uh, a lot of misconceptions that go on with him as well. And once that of uh, one side that I used to see, and then um, uh, over the years came to find that it was actually um, another direction, which is actually really cool to present both sides of the coin for uh, for both of those cats. Yes, absolutely. And um, we're gonna kind of break down. We're gonna give our little tidbits. We got a couple clips lined up for you guys, and uh, we'll kind of lay the clips out in succession. Maybe break them down. Touch on. You know, and this is not a, an insult towards either of these guys. They are two of the biggest voices in wrestling. And one of them is uh, does have a very keen wrestling mind. I just think sometimes you don't have to be so rough around the edges. I mean, don't get me wrong. Controversy sells. Any publicity is good publicity, whether it's bad publicity or not. Yeah. You know that as well as I do. But sometimes bad publicity is genuinely bad publicity. It doesn't always have to be not my fucking tempo all the time. Yeah. Like it really doesn't. Yeah. <laughs> so today's episode is definitely going to be explicit because some of the clips we have do have some swearing. Those swearing won't be from us necessarily, but they will be from some of the clips that we have. So who do we want to go at first? Want to go at Cornette first? Want to talk yeah, about wanna, Cornette? Let's talk about Corny first. All right, let's talk about Cornette. So just to give a little bit of background and research on Mr. Jim Cornette. Uh, you know, he was born September 17th, 1961. Um, he's been in around the business for a very long time. He was born in Louisville, Kentucky, and, uh, he pretty much started working wrestling events at the age of 14, which is pretty young, but it's also in and around the same time as Mr. Paul Heyman, who is another great wrestling mind. Um, yep. you know, he's, he started, uh, as a ticket collector, then, uh, photographer, ring announcer, timekeeper, magazine correspondent, public relations correspondent, and, uh, during this time... He did a lot of promotion in the Louisville Gardens uh, with promoter Christine Jarrett, who's also the mother of Jerry Jarrett, uh, promoter of Continental Wrestling Association. It was pretty much the Memphis territory, if you will. Yep. Um, and he's been in and around throughout all kinds of time. Let's just break down where he's been. I'm not going to get into what he's done because we all know the history of Jim Cornette. But Continental Wrestling Association, 82 to 83. Mid-Southwest Wrestling, 83 to 84. Um, then he had a feud with Magnum TA and Mr. Wrestling 2 at, at Mr. Wrestling 2. Uh, last day at PD worked there for a bit. Then he was part of the Rock and Roll Express kind of revivalry, uh, the Watt styles, style and influence. Then he was with World Class Championship Wrestling. So to break that down, that's WCCW. That was from 84 to 85. Jim Crockett Promotions, 85 to 90, and then back again in 90, 1993. He managed the Midnight Express. Um... Then he went to Smoky Mountain Wrestling from 91 and 95. World Wrestling Federation slash Entertainment from 93 to 2005. That was his longest stint. And then TNA from 2006 to 2009. And then he returned to Ring of Honor and OVW in 2009-2012. 
and had a brief return to WWE in 2017, which we saw him make his um, the introductory speech for the Rock and Roll Express into the WWE Hall of Fame. Yep, and then of course just a recent doing uh, on the WWE Network where he did his uh, his uh, his show for uh, WWE Photoshoot. Right, which was actually if you go back and watch it, uh, really fun, really genuine. Seems like he's kind of put all the baggage away from all of his past experience. Um, yeah, I'm really excited to get into that part of, of Cornette a little bit later on. Yeah, we'll, we'll break that down for sure, uh, talk about that. But one of the clips I want to play first, this is a clip where I kind of scratch my head at. This was a clip from one of his podcasts, Talking Sense, where he pretty much takes a shoot at wrestlers all of a sudden becoming religious. I'm going to play this for about a minute and 45. Just kind of listen to this. And uh, as much as I hate to admit it, the kind of condescending tone into which he kind of bridges the subject. And I, I get it. When you're Jim Cornette, again, controversy sells and condescension is a big part of your platform. But I just think at some points, there's some things that are better left unsaid. But take a listen to this. You know, it's one of those things that I've talked about it before. Uh, Bill Maher calls them the smart, stupid people where like Ben Carson's a neurosurgeon, but still he doesn't believe in evolution. And I have people that I... It, not only like as friends and if, if admire because of their talent in wrestling or whatever the fuck, but at the same time they they it's it, they buy the the story the the religion thing and I don't understand it, but at the same time I I like those people I just I just can't rectify why they would think these things. I like it's hard those to square the circle. There, there you go. It's in, and and draw a picture around, put a frame around it, and everything, but. I, but, you know, I'm not afraid to say that some people in the wrestling business have tended to find uh, religion after wrestling as, as a way to engage in tax-free fucking uh, business, I'm sure. And some people are genuinely genuine. And for me to be the one to say which is which, except in certain isolated circumstances where I've gotten some one-liners off about various things, I, I, it's, not for, it's, it's not for me to say. <laughs> but, but, you know, but I just, I don't... Whether they're genuine or not, I just don't get it. And I don't get especially, and this relates not to just anybody in the wrestling business, but just anybody, human beings. <laughs> this is such a big decision to me that I don't, I do not see how that you can just change your mind about it midway through your life or any significant part through your life. Just, oh, oh wait a minute. Oh, I was fucking wrong. It's like if you don't like fucking chocolate ice cream it's or, or Nestle's Quick, it's going to make you puke from the time you're six, right? Or elsewise, you're okay with it. Sure. Pretty much establish early on the things you majorly like and don't like, the things you majorly think and don't think. And I do not understand how a major change like that comes on, except if, if fucking, if it's, uh, you turn on the goddamn NBC Nightly News and Brian Williams or whoever replaced him because he glorified his fucking record is saying, we have just gotten proof that this shit's real. Then I understand why you change your fucking mind. Otherwise, how can you just something happen independently of being reported in the goddamn newspapers, major television networks, God appears, tells the whole story, film at 11. How do you go from just, I don't believe in it to now I'm believing in it. Just to, I don't understand. So, okay. Long story okay. short of this is that I think he's wrong. I think he's wrong in a few aspects. And I'm, we're not going to get into religious beliefs here. It's not going to be a political debate. No, but, but what I would actually like to hear is just really just like how, how wrong he is. I would love to actually listen to this. Okay, so here's, here's my theory on this. When you come to a point, as human beings, 
We never stop learning. We evolve. We grow. So he's right in the point that, you know, when you're six years old, if you don't like something, you don't like it. Since I was six years old, I've hated Brussels sprouts. As an adult, I'm not a big fan of them either. So I get the point he's making. But that's different. That's your palate. That's your taste. As you become older and you become wiser and you learn things and you put childish things away, what you maybe once realized as a child, you may think now as an adult, <clears throat> I'm wrong. And in a lot of cases, like take example, two names that pop top of my head right now, Shawn Michaels and Sting. Two guys at the peaks of their career had to take a step back from the business because drugs and alcohol became too much. We've all heard of the history of the life on the road. Cheating, drinking, drugs. They're not the first wrestlers to come out with it. They won't be the last. But here's the thing. They both reached a point where they, they both said it in their DVDs or tell-all stories where they literally should have been dead. And they didn't die. So at that point, they kind of realized themselves, hey, maybe there is a higher power. Maybe there is someone that is watching out for me, someone that's protecting me, someone that's telling me I should still be here. So for a guy like Jim Cornette, a uh, full-blown, uh, self-admitted atheist who does not believe in religion, that's fine. That's your opinion. Mm-hmm. But how can you judge someone or some some group of, grouping of people in a business that you love that they've actually reached points where they've become wiser <coughs> and they should have been dead and didn't die? And got a second lease on life. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you can't explain it. And sometimes the unexplainable is okay. It's okay to believe in the unexplainable. If you want to put your faith in a higher power, that there is someone in the great beyond that's watching out for you, by all means. Do I believe and in that's God? What religion really is in the grand scheme of things. It's literally faith. It's a leap of faith. It's literally just really? you understand, try, trying to believe in something when you didn't believe in something before. Exactly. And you could call it guardian angels. You can call it whatever you want. But the fact is, is that these two guys have both admitted that they should have been dead. They got a second lease on life. Now Shawn Michaels is clean, has a family, put his faith in God, and he's done well for his community and turned people's opinions of him around. He was known as a complete and other jackass for the first 15 years of his career. And now being entrusted to actually co-run, well technically, they haven't really stated it, but really from the UK tournament it really seemed quite obvious, and for a while before that it seemed quite obvious that he's going to help take NXT to that next level. with NXT. Right. Take it to the next level, because now he's actually being entrusted, that he can actually really be able to do that. Mentally, be able to do that. He's got the capacity now to handle the business side of the sports entertainment business. He knew the entertainment side, now he's being entrusted in that, and Why? It's because he's turned a corner. It's because he's shown something. And because he's put his faith in something, much like Sting, and there are other names I can't think of off the top of my head right now, how is it for you, a full-blown atheist, to judge him? Do I believe in religion? Yes. Do I practice it? No. Jake the Snake Roberts, and we would not have Austin 316 right now if it wasn't for Jake Roberts. There you go. Point in case. Point in case. So the fact is, is that you're going to sit there and you're going to berate people for their religious beliefs and say you just don't understand how they can go from being this way once to this way another. It's one word. It's called evolution. You, your mind evolves. Your body evolves. Your soul evolves. Mm-hmm. And as you evolve, your opinions of things that you may have found 10 years ago to be wrong or 20 years ago to be wrong or whatever, now are not the same opinions. I have been proven wrong on many cases. You, Steve, have been proven wrong on many cases. But that's not being proven wrong in a bad way. It's just that, you know what, you sat down, you listened to the information, 
you figured out how you wanted to proceed and you went with it. So for these guys to say that they suddenly found God, all the power to them. Because now we still have Shawn Michaels around. We still have Sting around. Yeah. And they are two legends in our business. And there are more, like I said, I just can't think of any off the top of my head. But there are more in our business. So how is it okay for you to sit there and judge people for them evolving their beliefs or changing their belief system? If we all went the same way, the world would be one way. Boring. If we were all told to dress the same, eat the same, look the same, listen to the same music, watch the same TV, Jim Cornette wouldn't even be around because wrestling would probably not be the program we would all be watching. Right. So my whole opinion on that is, is if you don't, if you don't have an opinion where it can be um, not one-sided, left-wing or right-wing, then don't make it. Put the information out there, let people judge. But that's kind of my one beef with Jim Cornette is that he makes statements a lot of the time. And it just rants on his own personal beliefs. And I get it. When you're a podcaster, it's your show. You're going to say what you want. Mm -hmm. But when it comes to a touchy subject like religion, politics, or anything like that, sometimes it's better to keep your opinion to yourself in certain aspects. Or really have all the facts behind you before starting to actually really dive into something that, quite frankly, for a person's individuality, um, that's (laughs) really um, their choice of what they would like to do one way or another. It's really, it's, it's their choice. So let's play a little game today right now. Clip number one, Jim Cornette shoot on wrestlers, finding religion, agree or disagree. Jim, Jim Cornette's, uh, ability for people to find religion is either, is, is a bad thing. Um, that's definitely a nay. <laughs> I couldn't agree more. And just, just a, a little tag onto that of, uh, the, the fact that, um, I haven't heard one of those guys go into the ring for a promo and utilized any Bible, any Bible preaching or any kind of, uh, you know, faith preaching other than just very simply Shawn Michaels in the middle of, you know, his entrance when he falls on his knees and does his thing where he, you know, praises God and everything like that. But at the exact same time, I've never heard once in uh, any of these guys' interviews that they've ever found, uh, they've found Jesus and done the things that they needed to do for themselves individually to make themselves better, especially after coming from an actual profession where every single thing you do revolves around being a drug addict because you're just so hooked on pills because you need them to maintain your ability to go out there and wrestle 364 five days a year. And so for that respect, there's a lot of people who do lose themselves within the industry. People who die around them constantly. Best friends of theirs who they grow up with and think they're going to have long careers with. And then they found they find that their best friend's dead in a hotel room. And that's, that's one more thing that gets tacked onto the imploding business of wrestling as much as it flourishes. There's a lot of implosion that really comes that goes on behind the scenes of a person's individuality that they lose themselves that they actually need to go and and really have a fresh start. And the best way I've been understanding from what I've understood is they go into rehab and then they find God because they really need a, a turnaround and an ultimate belief to make themselves actually understand what their whole purpose is to even continue in the wrestling business. So therefore, um, I feel like that's actually more of a primitive point that uh, is is more to be addressed for the people who, who do find those kinds of things within their lives. And I really believe all the power to them. Absolutely. You don't fault a football player when he crosses himself after a touchdown. 
You don't fault the baseball player when he crosses himself and looks up to the sky after he hits a home run. Yeah. You don't fault LeBron James or Steph Curry when they hit a three and they kiss and point up. Colin Kaepernick, when he literally didn't stand up for the national anthem, <coughs> it was his own belief that he didn't want to do it because of all the suppression of black people and what's gone on since the suppression of all the things that happened. Well, he was, he was judged, unfortunately, and, about that. He was judged about that. And that's the thing. is That was his choice of what he made. However, that was a choice that he made without any factual evidence behind him whatsoever. And he got called out on it for what he should have actually deserved to get called out on, him, on for. But however, that was because people understood the concept that like you can't do those things or say those things unless you actually really understand what you're talking about before you talk about just a personal belief that you're just spewing on other people right so to the original point you know if you don't have any factual evidence in some cases jim cormout shut your big fat southern mouth <laughs> sorry had to get that out speaking of fact let's go to this next clip. and then let's go to this one because this, this has two really cool sides to it i actually really like this one this one has a lot of cool sides this is jim Cornette on jr's podcast via phone talking about shoot on Kevin Steen where he told him to lose weight. We all know the story. If you've watched the Kevin Owens DVD, if you know any of the history between these two individuals, they don't like each other for a lot of reasons. Uh, Jim Cornette thought he was talented, just didn't think he looked the part. Kevin Steen thought Jim Cornette had his head up his own ass. I myself vote to the latter and it has nothing to do with my bromance with Kevin Owens. I just find myself towards the latter because I myself am a big guy and would love to do what Kevin Owens does in the ring. For a guy his size, how he moves, and how he handles himself, it is nothing short of amazing to watch that dude work. And it doesn't matter if you look like Seth Rollins with a six-pack or if you have a beer belly like Kevin Owens. If you go in that ring and kick ass, you've got my respect. So Mo and Joe, another big guy, but I bet you I bet you any bone about it, Jim Cornette never told Samoa Joe to lose weight. So this is the shoot on that. We're going to play this for about two and a half minutes, and then we'll have a little chat about this one. But this is Jim Cornette on JR's podcast talking about the shoot on Kevin Steen when he told him to lose a little weight. What is you? Well, I, actually, I said it with an asterisk, and I'll try to explain it again because all the, you know, the adults listen to your program. The kids get on Twitter every Tuesday morning. If he does something on TV, he goes, na 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 boo boo um, my experience with Kevin Steen, when I was in Ring of Honor, we made him the world champion. He was undefeated for a year. He went through the entire roster. Uh, certainly, I didn't think that, and I always said, he was an excellent wrestler and an athlete to be moving around like that with all that excess weight. He was a great athlete buried under there. His wrestling is excellent, and what's more important, his promos, his verbal skills are excellent, and he thinks that he's quick-witted, but the problem was that I saw Number one, we asked him to get in a little bit better shape and to be a little bit more pleasing cosmetically as far as trimming the beard, trimming the hair. I asked him one time, can you get a suit? Just anything. Just dress up a little bit. The baggy shorts and the T-shirt, you're the world champion. Please. Uh, secondly, we asked him to do basically anything we ever asked him to do. And it was a debate. And it was an endless negotiation. And he wanted to take things too far. And I know the Internet audience loved the whole epic saga with he and El Generico in Ring of Honor, but it was a time where we were trying to sell the company to a broadcasting group, and we didn't want people falling through three tables with 14 ladders and super kicking the women ring announcers and things that they wanted to do constantly. So my prediction was based on the fact that I thought when Kevin Esteem, Kevin Owens, went to NXT and started dealing with the WWE, that one or both of them would end up needing a therapist. 
because it's not that Kevin Steen was never talented in the ring or on the microphone. It's that he had a piss-poor attitude and never wanted to do anything his employer asked him to do. Obviously, that has changed. I'm not there in NXT, but I would predict that if he's had this level of success, that means he's actually doing things people ask him to do. So, therefore, he's being a success, and I'm happy for him, but I wish he'd taken that attitude a few years ago and it would save me and Delirious as matchmakers a whole lot of grief and time. Yeah, uh, I, I like it. Now, again, to reiterate on this point, I, myself... Am a big fan of Kevin Owens. I have stated that from the get-go because he, to me, represents the everyman. He represents guys like myself. Not chiseled, good-looking, slim chin, six-pack, you know, bicep bulging uh, fellers like my cohort here, okay? I he tried. represents... He, thank you. I try. You know, you do. You're, <laughs> you're, you're a good-looking guy. I'm not going to hide that. But here's the thing. You're... Every wrestler for the last decade, last two decades. I have been considered a Randy Orton from 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 fellows and from from the girls from time to time, as well as uh, Corey Graves. Corey Graves, time to time, passed for both. Uh, Corey Gra Corey Graves before the Eminem blonde hair yeah. top. But we'll leave that up. <laughs> but uh, I I have always latched on to the underdog, to the guy that's not supposed to be in the level of success that he's in. A guy who looks like me that I could buy into, and for me, that's a Kevin Owens. The but guy he, that should genuinely just be allowed to be heavyweight champion. Thank you. Absolutely right, because his skill and his promos, as Jim Cornette said in that last clip, stood above the rest. But here's the problem. Vince McMahon, he can ask a guy like Kevin Owens to lose weight. And you know why? Because he himself is chiseled. He looks like 90% of his wrestlers. He's in a, even at the age of 77, he looks like all of his... Top guys, Randy Orton, Triple H. He takes that shirt off, he's got muscles underneath there. But a guy like Jim Cornette, who has the same belly that Kevin Owens does in front of him. You want to ask a big guy to lose weight? Lead by example. That's my opinion. Lead by example. You want to go out there and you want to tell somebody, hey, you need to lose a little weight, got to shave that beard, you got to wear a suit. Because you're representing the company. Lead by example. Yes, you wear a suit. Yes, you're clean shaven. Are you fit? No. You probably scarfing down buffalo wings and pulled pork sandwiches every chance you get. Double so for you to double judge... cheeseburger with just the cheese. Right. So for I you to sit there and, the and actually make a statement like that to me is, is mind-boggling. Because you yourself are not the picture of health. You yourself are not a representation of what a world heavyweight champion should look like. Hell, you've never stepped in a ring. You've been in the business for a long time, but you never stepped in a ring. You never wrestled. And when you did step in a ring, you got your butt kicked. You got beat up a few times. And that was only by his own self-admission that actually that's what genuinely people wanted to see. And that was why he actually did make those sacrifices was because that was the whole point is people actually hated him, hated the tennis racket, hated his voice, hated everything about him. So there was no better picture to paint than throw his ass in the ring and let him get his ass kicked. It was by his own he, admission. He was, he was literally a Southern preacher gone rogue in a lot of those shticks I remember from the 80s and the 90s. So my whole thing is just my point to, to finish up my point is that if you're going to ask someone to change their persona, lead by example. Myself, I come from a film background. That's what I went to school for, film and television. Music videos, I did a couple short films, stuff like that. And if I were to ever, I never asked an actor to change themselves, maybe cut their hair or dye it a certain color because that's what I needed to portray. But I never asked them to change themselves. But if I did, I would lead by example by saying, you know what? I'm going to go to the gym with you. 
we're going to do this together. Because I know that you can do it, but I want to be there to watch you succeed. And I myself want to do it. So if you're going to ask someone to change themselves, lead by example or jump in and join them. Or else shut your big fat southern mouth, Jim Cornette. <laughs> kind of going to be a shtick of the day today. But Steve, honestly, what's your thought on that? No, I actually, you know what, I see it from, once once again, I see it from both sides. And actually, if anything, for, to, to, to add to that, uh, just the last clip that we watched, um, I don't want to make it any bare bones that is the fact that um, that is my opinion. But however, at the exact same time, I also understand that that's literally why people love to listen to Jim Cornette talk. That's why Jim Cornette is literally as big as he is right at, at, at this point in his career. And he's just getting bigger every day because genuinely people just love to hear what he has to say, whether it be, and especially because it's actually so mad that people love listening to somebody go on a rant. That's just genuine. Oh, it's and funny to hear somebody yell at the top of their lungs than it is to have somebody talk coherently calm. Exactly. And so therefore, um, in, in, this, in, in, in this situation, um, yeah, maybe a little bit more thought could have been actually put behind it when it came to um, just generally thinking about the fact that maybe he's not in the exact same shape as uh, Kevin. He's in the exact same boat as Kevin Owens. And, um, but at the exact same time, um, I look at it from uh, Jim Cornette is uh, the business guy that's taking care of all of the other athletes and taking care of all of the other things. And as far as I was concerned from listening to the uh, I think it was like three hours of TNA and what he went through with uh, that and between bouncing back and forth between that oh yeah and the three hours of, of Ring of Honor um, that was sounded like the most unbelievable nightmare when it came to uh, the finances when it came to uh, the actual just the friggin ring setup to just every single aspect of that was literally like a hole in the head for if you wanted to be a businessman when it came to working with everything else. So it's absolutely no wonder to me if uh, a guy was coming up to literally just trying to go to a wrestler and being like, dude, this is what we need from you. Like the way, like literally what you just said about um, being in, being a director and you would just very simply go up to an actor. And even if you're not in the same boat as them, this is still genuinely what we actually need from you within this company to make this work because you are the product, not me. So therefore, that's what we need you to do. And we're just, that's all we're doing. We're just trying to just find a, a common ground here of what we can do to ensure that the character, quote unquote, that we're actually trying to figure out in the same way that uh, a movie role would get filled and a guy would get asked, okay, this is what we need from you. Harvey Weinstein, one of the biggest, but, but, oh my God, like you, you need a, you, you need a big fat guy with a big beard that is, is ready to go for any role. There you go. Harvey can just walk in and just, there you go. He's your guy. <laughs> <laughs> it's awesome. He's, he looks like the guy that's ready for the role. Well, he won't be able to go where he goes in. He and it's able, awesome. He won't be able to go for, uh, I think it's 10 to 20 now, but right. when he comes out, he'll get a role for sure. He could play himself in the Harvey Weinstein movie. Right. I should have, I should have listened when they said no. That would be the title. Yeah. <laughs> and that's the thing is like, I look at Harvey Weinstein and I know he's one of the guys that's, that's, you know, sitting with one of the big boy actors, sitting with big boy actors all the time, telling him and outlining exactly what he needs from them to ensure that this is going to be the best for what's, what's quote unquote, what's best for business. And it's literally in the exact same context. And, uh, I also understand it from Kevin Owens standpoint where, um, if you're a guy that really is in control of your own character and you really understand that maybe the concept is actually to literally go the and other the way every man. and yes. actually be the every man. And that is what will sell for me 
more than being this guy that you want me to be. And because it'll be so obvious that this is what you're going to want from me. And I imagine I wasn't there. I wasn't there for any of these interviews or I wasn't there for any of these sit down processes of what went on in these headaches, quote unquote, that uh, Kevin Owens was kind of putting uh, putting Jim Cornette through and, and the other writers and such. But at the exact same time, I can imagine that that's where that legitimately from his heart and what I listened to from him as a person and as a person who genuinely loves wrestling as much as Jim Cornette does, just maybe in different ways in terms of the way that Jim Cornette is very old fashioned and the way that he would consider it. A lot of people consider it old fashioned. And then also at the exact same time, um, I do understand sometimes when uh, the violent level is just, you know, way too over the top for the product of which they're they're trying to sell. Hence why WWE is just, you know, not about that, that hardcore style. Anymore than anymore. Great. Yeah, exactly. Then more about the actual really reputable style of wrestling of this really incredibly high impactful and especially um, Cornette also talks it's in another interview where he's actually talking about how um, when they were in a time where every single other person on that roster was just absolutely about incredibly athletic wrestling but the flip coin was the fact that Kevin Owens is also incredibly athletic for being a really big guy and not even that big of a guy he's the Brock Lesnar makes him look small so as far as I'm concerned it's really just more of a, a case of maybe there's just the way that you guys could understand a little bit more of from the character standpoint and then there's also the point of where the character is fighting with the office because this is what the the character of the person that's genuinely fighting inside that's that real person that just wants to be in a little bit more control of their own character so i really do i i I actually do understand it from literally both sides you're right, and I, I see your point, and I agree with your point, and, and not to take anything away from your point, but to just add, add on to your point. Sure. You look at Kevin Owens in Ring of Honor, he, he mentions it, was a champion for a year, went through the whole roster, but then he fails to mention how he made him and El Generico have a contract match when the winner got fired, or the loser got fired. Yeah. And Kevin Owens was fired from Ring of Honor before their ratings went down, and then he started just crashing parties. And then they brought it back in. And the best part is when you go and you look at any uh, you look at any match that Kevin Steen back then, which this whole fight Owens fight when it was fight Steen fight back then, and you were watching him have oh my god these matches he was having with El Generico, but the matches he was having with with Shinsuke Nakamura and these matches that he was having with these guys that he would just go in there and he was the he like he was just the same guy he was playing as what he's playing now. Only it was literally in Ring of Honor in smaller crowds, and these buildings sounded like it was filled with. It was like it's like a stadium, like, yeah, yeah, like stadium. a couple thousand people, but it's filled like it's like a hundred thousand people. It was crazy just listening to the receptions that he would get every single time. There was no doubt that, like, dude, you actually don't even really need to do anything with him because you're he's a bonafide star. He's a top guy. Listen to him. You're a bonafide star. They love him. But but here's the thing, right? Is that. WWE didn't ask him to change anything. Triple H and him came up with the Kevin Owens shtick because to honor his son, because his son's name is Owen. Yeah, and a great way. If I was, if I was a, if I was a wrestler, and I want, I would absolutely incorporate my kids any which way I could into my character name, if I could. I call myself AC Slater. <laughs> my daughter's Ariana. My other daughter's Cassandra. <laughs> so, like, just regardless of the fact, is that WWE didn't ask him to change a thing. Didn't ask him to lose weight. Let's run through the accolades, shall we? NXT champion for five months. Comes in a first appearance on Raw, takes out John Cena. They even got a huge reception in the first match that he had. They had a big build. They had big builds going for him. Yes. Yeah. Fight Owens fight and him running up to the 
running up to the camera and just doing this really like really crazy awesome cool looking montages that they were doing. It looked like low budget really crazy awesome montages that were yeah. going on, but at the same time, you just knew once this guy was going to come out, it was from his first second. His music hit and people were literally he just hey, walked out to the st- to the, the stage and they lost it cuz they knew what they were going to get from this guy. Yeah, and then he goes up to the main roster, he wins the Intercontinental Championship. Then goes on to win the Universal title for the second longest run underneath Brock Lesnar, which I don't count, so the longest reigning Universal Champion by my standpoint. And then he goes on to be the uh, uh, the um, United States Champion. And now is in a title pitcher for, again, probably being another guy to go at the Universal title again. So the yeah. fact is, is the guy's had gold since he's walked in the company. He's literally almost a Grand Slam champion. He headbutted Vince McMahon last year. Like, he literally, like, it was, like, between, like, last year and he headbutting did. him and staying in a consistent storyline with Shane McMahon, as boring as it was sometimes. It got just a little go boring, yeah, it did. Through it did. that entire year of being, like, you're in the McMahon family regime storyline for this entire year of 2017. Yeah, and as we know, if you make it, if you make it to a storyline where you're fighting the McMahons, you've made it in the WWE. But yeah, again, my they point, trust you. My point was <laughs> they didn't ask him to shed a pound. So for you to sit there and do that and now be happy at his level of success, the only reason you're happy is because you don't want to seem bitter. But you are bitter. You're bitter because you had a guy that probably could have taken Ring of Honor to, at that point, right up there competing with WWE. Yeah. And you lost him because of your own ego and your own self enjoyment of bringing other people down because you have low self-esteem so you got to bring everybody down to your level point is is that jim Cornette saw a fat kid tried to pick on him didn't work and that's been the case oh pardon me that's been the case with actually a few people of just really understanding that uh really understanding jim Cornette after you really get a chance to understand it for get a little i don't know i'm in real life so i'm not going to sit here and pretend like i really really know jim Cornette. As, as well as I think I do. But at the exact same time, you get a pretty good painted picture of uh, when, when you listen uh, to him so passionately talk about the way he passionately, most people are consider it uh, ranting, where to me, I'm just like, no, this guy's actually really, really genuinely passionate about how much he just, he wants what he wants and he sees what he sees and he's been around the business long enough that to me, from where I'm sitting, might have a difference of opinion, but at the exact same time, I also can see it from the standpoint that, like, yeah, dude, if you've been in the business for 40 years and this is how you've made your career is by basing off of really having your strong opinions be voiced in one way or another, whether you get let go from a company or whether you still continue to do what you're doing or you're, you're staying on with the company you're at, I still, I, I actually do have a lot of respect for, for uh, Cornette in the sense that he always sticks to his guns and he really believes in what he believes in. And in sticking to your guns and focusing on another uh, another uh, bullying incident, if you will, <laughs> this is a shot that we're going to talk about. Oh, it's Jim Cornette's tag team partner. Oh, yeah. This they, is... they, were, they, were, they were a tag team at one point, didn't you know? They were, yeah. <laughs> this is him on one of his epic promos on Vince Russo, challenging him to meet face-to-face. This clip's about 10 minutes. We're not going to play the whole thing. I'm probably going to play about two and a half, right up to the point where he says, if I could get away with murder for one day, I would murder Vince Russo. Soak this one in, guys. Enjoy. I got one more thing to say before we go. And like I said, Brian is not responsible. I don't think after what I've just heard, he's mentally responsible. But Brian's not responsible for this. The podcast, broad MLW, all the places you download your podcast, they're not responsible. But the table for three, as I mentioned, was the second most watched WWE Network show of the week, behind only the pay-per-view. 
And one of the things, and boy, if you think he went crazy, you should have seen the unedited version because we spent more time on him. But old shit stain, the Archbishop of Tallenberry, Vince Russo, went crazy. He just couldn't. And, and see, the reason why he went crazy is not only did Bischoff and I, once again on worldwide television, tell everybody what a fucking moron he was, but <laughs> the WWE. The company that he begs and pleads to have a job with again, begs to bring him back and, and constantly emailing Vince McMahon and constantly contacting him saying, oh, Vince, I can save you. Oh, Vince, I can save you. They took that opportunity as soon as we mentioned his name to put up non-flattering pictures of his fucking ugly ass. So, <laughs> Russo went crazy, and he was on again making all these comments and all these chat. Well, they ought to say it to my face. They ought to say it to my face because that's that's every every time that I speak about Vince Russo, he's always trying to defect, deflect my comments or tell people that it's my shtick, and I don't really mean it. I just say stuff like that because I make money off of it. <laughs> and I've said that I don't make money off knocking Vince Russo. It's my hobby. I do it for enjoyment. I make a lot of money, which is more than I can say for that unemployed fucking loser. And then he tried to say, well, I just can't believe it. He can't be telling the truth because I can't believe anybody would hate somebody like that just over wrestling. Because that's what Vince Russo thinks about the wrestling business. It's just a joke. Just like these jock-sniffing wannabes that do play wrestling. He can't believe anybody would hate somebody that bad over just wrestling. Because he doesn't take it seriously and he never has. And he's part of the reason why that this business is in the shit shape it's in. And then finally when all that didn't work, then he kept trying to get me on his show. Or worse yet, get him on my show to debate like we could talk this out. Like I've, I've actually come out and said, I want him to die. If I could get away with murdering him and not go to jail, I would. I hate him worse than anything that has ever walked on this planet. The thought of him breathing disgusts me, but yeah, I'm going to debate him. And it just goes on to be a, an even more epic. Rant. There are hours of this on YouTube. Like, honestly, you go scour, not even just YouTube. You literally go stream anything. I'm just like, Jim, all you gotta do is just either Google or YouTube. Jim Cornette shoots on Vince Russo. And it's just, uh, oh my God, you could have a field day. If you've never heard it, you could literally get lost for hours in listening to this. Now, now I'm not a fan of Jim Cornette, and I'm not a fan of Vince Russo, because we all know the Attitude Era was only successful because everything was filtered through Vinnie Mac. But, I will say this. Jim Cornette is not wrong. Jim Cornette makes an absurd amount of money from flapping his gums and talking about all the shit he hates. And Vince Russo is at the top of almost everybody's list. He's the reason why WCW had that final nail in the coffin. And I honestly believe he went there just to put the final nail in the coffin so he could get back in Vince McMahon's good graces. Hey, if I go in there and screw this up, you'll be able to buy it for really cheap. I'm not sure if it was a stick or anything like that or if it was a work. We'll never know, but I will say that this. is a, that is potential though. That's it is potential, hundred percent, hundred percent potential. But here's the thing: I will say this, and I'll, I'll I'll go on record with saying this. Jim Cornette, love him or hate him, he does have one hell of a wrestling mind. Do I think he's brash and arrogant in the way he speaks? Yes. Do I think he thinks his crap doesn't stink? Yes. Do I think someone could close his mouth once or twice permanently, and I would be okay with it? Oh hell yeah, hundred yeah. percent. Then you're definitely not alone in that. Uh, that not, not my I, case, I but will, a lot of other people's I cases. will say this. And, 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 not and, alone. And this was actually going to be a, a me just going on an epic rant of proportions of Jim Cornette. 
and, and how much I loathe and dislike this individual. But upon doing my research and upon going into things and looking into things from an, uh, uh, putting away all my crap and looking at things from an objective perspective, I will say this. Entertaining? Hell yeah. <laughs> Truthful? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Honest? Yes. To the point where honesty could be a bad thing? Yes. But point blank, I will say this. If I ever had the opportunity to sit down and have a beer with Jim Cornette, I would. I'd probably want to punch him out right after that beer because he's so arrogant, but I would. Because this man could tell stories. And as a wrestling fan, I'm all about the stories. As yeah. much as I love what goes on in front of the curtain, as fans, we all love even more what goes on backstage. And this man could write a tell-all book, and I shit you not, it would sell like hotcakes. Even the wrestling, even the people who aren't wrestling fans would buy this guy's book. So, point blank, does the host respect Jim Cornette? Yes. After all my research, yes, I could say I do. Do I like him as a human being? No. To quote him from the last clip, if I could get away with murder for one day, Jim Cornette would be on the top of my list because I just think he's such an arrogant jerk. And half the time, you need to reflect upon yourself before you judge other people. You need to rectify the skeletons in your closet because there are quite a few. And we're going to get into Dave Metzler now, but Steve, give me your one-off opinion on uh, Jim Cornette. We're running a little bit behind on time today, so I'll give you about a minute. Give me your epic Jim Cornette rant. Oh, actually, and it's awesome because it's like usually if we're going overtime, then I'm like, oh no, this is this this isn't good. I think it's actually like going in this the conversation is actually like amazing. I love every bit of it because it actually really has like the best of both worlds, and I love hearing the best of both worlds. Um, and uh, Joe Rogan's podcast is like the number one. Shout out to Joe Rogan, Jesus Christ, I love your conversations because they just go back and forth, and it's so like it. You don't have to like the. The one thing on the one side, and you don't have to like the other thing on the other side. You, you can just take a little bit here and there. Yeah, exactly. Just literally, exactly. people talking, and unfortunately, um, uh, uh, unfortunately, that's uh, I, I feel like um, that's the one thing that does get completely misguided with uh, with with corny is the fact that it's like uh, yeah, as much as he as much as he really truly 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 hates Vince Russo, I think it's probably the only person that he wouldn't be able to. Um, actually sit down in a room with, I think he would actually have a better chance of sitting down in a room with Santino Morella than he would actually have an idea of being able to sit down with, with Vince Russo because of just, um, yeah, the amount of, the amount of everything that he did put wrestling through. But then there's the other side of the flip coin where it's like from, from a Jim Cornette standpoint where um, there is no real seeing it from the other side. It's just hardcore passion and screaming and emotions. That's just coming out. It's just emotions and screaming that's really going on when it comes to how much just really detests and loathes this individual known as Vince Russo. And especially if you get through, if you actually do, for those of you who haven't, who go out there and really do listen to, sometimes it's really tedious and boring to actually continuously sit through the epicness yeah, of the Yeah, there's, there's a lot. But there's a lot there to cover, bro. There's but a lot. at the exact same time, when you do listen to what he went through with TNA and what he went through with Ring of Honor and what he went through with a lot of these things that... Uh, you, you come to find that it's actually the story of a gentleman who actually went through literally his entire life of wrestling being absolutely addicted to wrestling and not understanding the concept that the majority of people who get hired into wrestling, and it's a really sad concept to really understand, but once you understand this, then you get an idea of why things are shit and why more shit is shit than it is actually taking, and more often taking shit and turning it into a diamond a compared to a lot of shit. Compared to actually making things great. You when said you get, a lot of shits. So I got to put you on the list. <laughs> you know what? 
You just made the list. You know what? I guess it's actually it is what it is. That's really a lot of times when we're watching wrestling. I'm a huge fan, but I watch a lot of shit. And then there's a lot of stuff that isn't good. But then there's a lot of stuff that there's some stuff that is really good. And that's why we get really excited as wrestling fans when we see things that are really good. The stuff that's really bad is the stuff that's coming from the people who are outside hired from outside sources and companies and and places like the. Even outsourcing from places as far and wide as the NFL, just to bring them in literally is that little piece of mind of sports knowledge that would go into not only this from the sports end, but from the movie side of things. Because combining, when you combine the two of them, you need those two separate minds, apparently, and those two ways of making things really, really awesome within wrestling. However, a lot of those minds don't involve people who were who were brought up in wrestling. So they literally are learning as they're going, and it makes the people who are involved in wrestling who loved it from day one really, really mad. And I hear these stories all the time from the, from the shooters of wrestlers who are in on the company going, I don't know why they hired this guy. He's the biggest idiot in the world, and I don't know why they hired this writer. They literally hired this guy from ESPN, and he knows nothing. Nothing about wrestling, and that's why those things turn out the way they are. And um, so, are you saying in this in this aspect that you you appreciate a mind like Jim Cornette because as much as he's an arrogant dick, he's honest as shit. I appreciate that mind, and to, to wrap this up into a bow of what I'm trying to actually say about all this is that uh, is, is that um, I understand Jim Cornette's point of view because he grew up in wrestling, but I also um, understand the concept that you need to understand that there's a lot more people who don't know things about wrestling when they're involved in the wrestling business, which is a really ass-backwards way of doing it. But however, that's unfortunately the way things have been done within almost every wrestling company that I've ever watched. That and every sport in general. Every sport in general. Sometimes you hear the announcers who don't know a thing, and then you hear the announcers that know too much. Who you hired this guy? Well, then it shouldn't have been the company who hired him. You weren't the guy who hired him, so you shouldn't be the guy taking on the responsibility of why he sucks so bad. You shouldn't be the guy that's taking on all the responsibility of dealing with all the other people who aren't doing their jobs right, when if you're just focusing on yourself, then why the hell would you not be any confident, any less confident in the way that you're dealing with it rather than the way that other people who suck at it, they'll just end up getting fired anyway. Sounds like you're talking about Jonathan Coachman on ESPN. <laughs> Ooh, should I not have said that? I shouldn't have said that. I said it! Oh, Jonathan care. Coachman. Hey, my favorite was Corey Graves. I think it was like last week or something like that. He was on one of the Raw. He was on Raw and he was just like, how, how do you still have a job, Coach? Yeah, Money in the Bank when uh, Roman yeah. Rousey. How do you have still have a job, Coachman? I yep. think Ronda's just taking a nap. And <laughs> um, actually, she's in a full bear hug by somebody ten times her size. All right, let's get into Metzler. So yeah. this is uh, this is one of the clips that uh, Steve shot out to me. We're gonna play this one for about uh, yeah, a minute and a half. Enjoy this one. This is again corny. Jim, the big mouth, Cornette talking about Dave Metzler and the rest of the Observer. Soak this one in, guys. <laughs> Um, and then it, and then the internet, and then now everybody knows, and it's, I, I mean, I don't even know if there's like magician groupies or fans or, you know, the, the diehards, the insiders uh, that, that kind of know how the tricks are done and appreciate the art, but the general population doesn't know, you know, the blueprint for the thing. And it's the way it used to be with wrestling. Now it's not. And it's the problem is you, you know, you can't really get away with anything, do anything, please everybody, or everybody thinks they can somehow do whatever component of it better. So it just, so I've, the, the observer at first, it, the, and then it led the way for a bunch of people who don't get it or didn't get it, but could still publish it to have opposing viewpoints and further muddy the issue to where now, you know, people, there are so many ridiculous bullshit things 
that people have either been told about wrestling or just maybe they've got limited cognitive function and they just gleaned it that way that it's so off kilter or whatever. But, you know, because I know when, when, when people say, well, he once worked so-and-so or did this or did that. And no, I didn't. I've never been, I don't know what the fuck they're talking about or was responsible for this. It's well known. I wonder since I know the difference, how much uh, the shit we hear about other people is manufactured by a lot of these people. And you could always trust Dave, you know, it, it is pretty legitimate. And just like Mike Johnson, I have to think if you were a hardcore magic fan, you want to know how, but with wrestling, you want to know why, you know, why did they do this? Well, there you go. Yeah. That's the big difference. That's the, <sighs> yeah. So there you go. Now you actually, well, there you go. You get a primitive point of really just like you see the flip coin of where, a very where, he can actually, where he could actually be. There's a lot of ranting that goes on with, with Corny. But then there's, As also there's a lot of ranting that goes on with you and I. So. Yeah. And then there's also the point only when Corny's voice just tends to go up whenever things in. And that's the thing. I don't know like, what the F they're talking about. My, my favorite is actually Corny from behind the scene age of, of Corny of listening to some of his stuff and talking about his anger management issues and really understanding. Is he always says to his wife, um, I, I'm vibrating. And when he says I'm vibrating, then that means I'm feeling like I'm feeling like the, the like I'm about to kill someone right now. So I got to get out of here. I can't be around people. I need to leave. I have I have, I have all of those ang- same anxiety issues as well. I totally understand where all of that is coming from. And there's a lot of ranting that really goes on when there's a lot of vibrating going on in that sense. So I totally understand that. And then there's the point where it's like, okay, Jim, it's time to tone it back and actually really understand. Like, let's let's talk with our indoor voices and really start to get to a place yeah, but where I we see his start point. making points and start I do actually see his making, point. making some real points. I see his point about Messler because you know what I mean. It's it's kind of a joke on the internet. It's like a, it's like a, a a great assault, if you will. Like whenever I see something posted from like one of the wrestling groups that I follow or wrestling groups that I'm in or anything I see online, and it says the source was Dave Messler and the Wrestling Observer. I honestly do take it with a grain of salt. Because 90% of the time, 75% of the time, 50% of the time, it's factual. And and, and, it's, and, and that's what's frustrating. Because in this day and age when all the information is out there, it's very hard to eliminate, to scrape through all the crap to get to that meat and potatoes. And I think with Metzler, a lot of it's crap. And never really is it meats and potatoes. Yep, and I actually I totally agree with that in the sense that uh, when when you when, when you hear uh, the actual insiders who are involved in the wrestling business now, mind you, that doesn't really take anything much away from um, from Meltzer, considering the fact that uh, he oh, is he's in with Metzler. Yeah, you're right. He, he Meltzler. is Meltzler. And Dave Meltzer is uh, he uh, he um, he he is really in behind the scenes with a lot of these a lot of the wrestlers and really really solidly understands the business. My favorite was actually listening to Dave Meltzer's. Um, uh, interview that he did with Chris Jericho on uh, Jericho's podcast. You get a chance, go listen to that because then you get a, you talk as Jericho. Um, he really went out of his way at the beginning. Like you listen to this guy, and as miserable as he sounds, a lot of times when you're listening to him talk about wrestling, because it's all about really these days about what's wrong with wrestling. That's the only thing that I have to say is in the terms of like quote unquote. Bad. I disagree with that. I don't Dave think Nelson. there's anything wrong with wrestling. I think now we're actually in a, in a in an era where wrestling is wrestling. Forget promo skills. It's all about what these guys can do in the ring. And we're getting matches now. We're getting matches. We would, we would have never got 15, 20, 30 years ago. Totally. And I totally agree with you. It's a <laughs> diamond in the rough that we would have gotten, whereas this is just very consistent. of That that Shawn Michaels mind of go out there and go kick ass every single night, make every night WrestleMania, that's exactly what we're getting. With like We're, this we're getting spoiled when now. it comes to wrestling ability and talent. Exactly. We're just losing on what we love, which is the character 
And the promo skills. Exactly. And for, for Meltzer, there's a lot more stuff to look at of what's wrong with the product, rather than actually, you know, in the sense of just, you know, going from New Japan and being like, so I get to go over here and watch a seven-star match with Kenny Omega and Okada, but then over here, I get like, this is your life with Bailey and, you know, blah, blah, blah. And like, this, like these really, for the record, like, I had a seven-star match first. These really, really bad spectrums that are going on when it comes to just like, you know, looking for the first thing that's wrong with what's going on here, rather than actually taking a second to actually be like, you know what, maybe there's actually a lot of really good things that are going on with wrestling. And there's a lot of people, it's like when uh, Triple H, when he did the interview with the, did the, um, the, 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 the promo with CM Punk. And, and as much as I know he was, it was, that was part of the work that was going on with it. I know he was being very truthful when it was, he was talking to that cynical fan out there that's talking so much crap about wrestling when it's like actually punk maybe as much as you down wrestling maybe they they like this maybe they actually like wrestling maybe they enjoy what's going on here and maybe it's the mystery of wondering whether or not it's going to be good or bad is the thing that actually brings them back and it's that mystery that keeps making things go and maybe taking it a little bit more glasses half full right it's like that pandora's it's like that pandora's box mentality sorry to cut you off oh no worries go ahead it's like that pandora's box mentality right where you want something so bad you hope if you open the box you're going to get it yeah but you open the box and it could be the thing you don't want at all yeah or it could be the thing that you want the most or it could be that middle ground so i think in a day and age where there is a lot of crap in wrestling and a lot of things do absolutely suck like a Roman Reigns, you've got to find the bright spots. You've got to find those seven-star matches, like Umaga and uh, sorry, yeah, Kenny Omega and, uh, and Kazuchika Okada. Okada. So Okada and Omega. you got to find stuff like that, like Alpha versus Omega, Jericho and, and Kenny Omega. And sorry, Cody. Kazuchika. My bad. Kazuchika Okada. No, 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 nobody's got a... That's hard name. I, I've been saying Metzler wrong. It's all good. But... <laughs> The fact is, is that you look at those, and then you look at Cody Rhodes and Kenny Omega, which happened last week. Tore the house down. Bullet Club leaders versus each other. Amazing. You look at Seth Rollins, Finn Balor. You look at the, the awesome Money in the Bank matches we had, the women's and the men's. Look at Dolph Ziggler and and uh, and, and look at Dolph Ziggler and Seth Rollins. Oh, this a rivalry I never they're, want they're to the end. Five, they're the five star match that's going on all the time now, where people can't wait to for now when right. Dolph Ziggler was at but the bottom of the pack you gotta find you gotta find the best that you can in the business and right now with everything that's so wrong there is a lot that's right so instead of bitching about it let's just enjoy what we have because yeah. 10 years ago we couldn't get a match that would go longer than 8 minutes yeah now we're getting that again so okay we're losing the promos and the characters are kind of dry sometimes I'm okay with that because I'm a wrestling fan first yeah i'm not an entertainment fan fully the entertainment comes with it and i enjoy it but i love the wrestling first let's yeah. get into this one this is uh, another clip you posted this is bruce pritchard shooting on dave Meltzer, and this is actually all to um uh, brings it up to uh, to your point oh well then maybe for once bruce pritchard and i will agree let's check this one out guys but the reality so is, I know that? of two people in particular who have a visible reaction whenever you say that per- say Dave Meltzer's name to them. You know, it is what it is. But that's the way they respond in private. But then when they're in public, of course, they babyface Dave Meltzer. And it's it's puzzling to me that someone who knows so much about wrestling would not get that. Why would they want to be nice to Dave? They get awards named after him. <laughs> Roll Tide. 
if you play the game, if you are nice to him, he will look out for you. And that's not us being trading, you know, trade secrets here. You're nice to people who are nice to you. So Meltzer's nice to people who are nice to him. It doesn't make him a bad person. It makes him human. So behind the scenes, someone may not really like what he does or the way he's made his living or that he sort of spoiled the wrestling business or whatever old timers thought. But when he calls, they don't, they're not going to be rude to him and shit on him for fear of it having some sort of backlash on their personal career. So if they can, And for the record, neither would I. Yeah. And for the record, I would talk to I would talk to Dave if he called me, and I would be nice to Dave. I see Dave at first. I'm going to walk up to him and shake his hand. I mean, you had hey, before Dave, last, last year at WrestleMania. You know, you hammed it up with him at Wally Mania. Right, and and I'm sure he hated that. I didn't. I did take a shower afterwards. <laughs> oh my but, god! Uh, Listen to you. Yeah, that's that's. that's I showered every day. Yeah, sorry. Time, actually, yeah? the, the point that you were making before was actually at the beginning of the clip, which I actually didn't. I, 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 I skimmed over it was because I didn't want to have the two of like pick this part at the beginning and then we'll pick the part at the end kind of thing mm-hmm. where it's like uh, where, where Bruce actually yeah he does actually test your point where a lot of stuff it does get pre-written without uh, without any real factual evidence behind it it's really just kind of a thing of just like what feels right and what the detective within us Dave Meltzer is the detective that we all feel like we want to be while we're watching only he just gets to write it that's literally all Dave Meltzer at, at this point of essentially that detective that everybody wants to play while you're watching it of just wondering, yeah, so I think what they're going to do, oh, you know what, I know why that match ended that way because it's actually a lead up for everything that's going to go down at Mania. I know it's a few months away, but if we, if you took that guy, that's why that guy ran in so that he could beat that guy up so that their rivalry is going to start and then they're going to go off to Mania and it would just be this, you, you run with the idea of what you believe is really going to happen because... Straight up, you would love to be right. You would love to see it actually happen in the way that you saw it before it actually happened. And, and I'm, I'm always like, right, Steve. <laughs> factually, factually right. Yes, yeah, I'm always and, right. No, you know, I, you, you know, people out there, you would be surprised at actually how much this guy actually comes up with ideas that actually really do come to fruition. And months later, that you'll actually see it and be like, "Remember when I talked about that?" I'm like, "Oh yeah, that was like months ago." Yeah, you were totally right about that. And it's it no, does, but you as well. Like us as fans, yeah, we have been fans since we were knee high to a stump. We we know the business. We don't know all the aspects of the business, but we know what works from a fan perspective, and we yeah. call the storylines as we see them. And that's the thing is, I don't want to ever come out like the way in modern the the snobby this the dumb smart fan that Corny was talking about in his last thing in one of his in one of the clips that we played. That was literally that's what that is. It's the smart dumb fan that really rolls with it without any factual evidence behind it. The kid but that just goes continues. on Twitter the next morning and says, "No, no, no, boo, boo." Yeah, rocked it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just, or like the guy that's just still pissing on, pissing all over Roman Reigns because they're not doing what he wants them to do or whatever it is. Like it's just this really. That's me. And uh, that is me. Yeah, I, totally. I just, I the character is such in such distraught that they really need to pull that guy off TV. Yeah, they have to. And that's the thing is <laughs> where from where I'm sitting, I'm going. You know what? Maybe there's there is actually a really big plan for Reigns that is actually going to come through fruition. That maybe next week, you literally people are going to be turning going, "Oh my God, thank you! You finally did the thing that we wanted." And this, that, and the rest of it, and they're obviously pissed because they scream about it every single night. So yeah, but really I could just I, we could all say the same thing, and then it turns out to be we get what we want. Yeah, and then it sucks even worse, and we're like, "Damn it, they did it, but they did it wrong." Exactly, and that's the thing when you actually when it comes across like that, and the way I now I under I really do understand it for what it is that 
they're not writing for me. They're not writing to make me happy. They're literally sitting in a room going, how good is this going to feel to us before we go out there? Most of it is complete shit that I would laugh at if I were in a room. But that's the point. I would laugh at it if I were in the room. So I know for a fact you ain't writing for me. So why the hell would I sit there and be mad at the fact that you literally didn't write, you clearly didn't write any of this for me. You didn't write for the fans. Absolutely. All right, last clip of the day, and then we'll give her a wrap-up, our final thoughts yep. on what I think has been a very entertaining back and forth today. Yep. This is one of, hands down, the worst commentators in the history of commentating. Okay? <laughs> one of the biggest selfish, from Bobby Heenan's testimony, one of the biggest selfish pricks <laughs> in the history of wrestling commentary um, is actually coming back with one of the most incredible answers to Dave Meltzer that I didn't think I would ever hear come out of this guy's mouth. We're both, Steve and I are both humbled to say that for once, Tony Schiavone got it right. I, I, I want to say this too, and I kind of, uh, you know, I kind of said something about Meltzer right there. You know, anytime Schiavone was doing a pay-per-view, it was shitty. Uh, and I did that tongue in cheek. But I think we all realized back then that Dave Meltzer, and probably even so today, had a profound influence on the business. Yeah, I, I know he. I know at times he probably would say, "Now nah, I really don't. I, I'm kind of like a. I'm just a critic." You damn right. It, it was like having a. We were like Hollywood, or, or let's say uh, Broadway producers, uh, coming to having our opening night. Then the next night, thumbing to the New York Times to see what the. Uh, what the opinion was on the show, what right. the critics thought about it. I mean, Meltzer's opinions back then really, really had a profound impact on the business. Uh, and uh, I'm sure he knows that. Uh, but be that as it may, there was a lot of really, really hard work that went into these shows. Really hard work. And, and a lot of good people put a lot of time and effort into it. So when Meltzer would say the next day, it was a shit show. At that time, we would all kind of go, oh, man, what the fuck? You know, what the, you know, he didn't like us, fuck him, shit like that. And now here we are, flash forward 20 years later, and it'll look at us and say, oh, they swear I was right. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. So oh my I gosh. just want to throw that out. But he, he did. He had a profound Im impact on it. And, uh, you know, I mean, the boys read all the stuff. I know Eric did. Uh, I did. I wasn't a subscriber, but it was always kind of passed around. Uh, and... Uh, and so that's the way uh, things went back then. I, I wow, yeah, it's uh, it's pretty fascinating to actually really see from that point that like a guy that was twenty years ago that was completely selfish that would apparently um, would not tell either of the commentators that he was with what was going on strictly because of you know whatever bullshit thing that was going on in his head that he was talking about going. Ah, I just wanted to make sure that. They got real live reactions and stuff like that. It was still keeping the people right next to you completely in the dark as to what was going on. So leaving tons of room for confusion. And most of the time, Tony was the only guy who had notes. So they literally had no idea where they were actually going in any segment. And specifically talking about the NWO and literally take Tony taking up way too much TV time, only talking about the NWO over top of Rey Mysterio Jr. versus, like, Eddie Guerrero. Like, these kinds of incredible matches that should have had the attention span to really give to because they deserved it. Um, and have it, that's why Meltzer would wake up the next day and be like, no, you suck as a commentator because you are awful. You're the worst, and all you do is take away from the actual wrestlers who are trying to give you the best of what they can give. 
Jericho left first because of this reason specifically. And one of the biggest reasons why he left, because there would be so much commentary from Tony Schiavone going on over top of his matches that actually, and all of the cruiserweight matches and everybody else. Um, so to hear all of that, to know all of that about an individual, and then 20 years later go back and go, no, they were absolutely right. I sucked. It was the worst. <laughs> no, he's not wrong. And I mean, it takes a humble man to admit when you're wrong. Yeah. But um, uh, you know what? Like, he's right. Dave Metzler had a, had a big impact on the business then. He still has an impact on it now. But I think with Dave Metzler, as to your point, you got to look at with a half glass full. What sells and what doesn't? Is it better to spout off a rumor with 40% truth? Or is it better to give you the whole kick of caboodle, 100%, which may not be as exciting? So, with Dave Metzler, you got to take him at that grain half glass full. Okay, it's Dave Metzler. I'll take it with a grain of salt because I know some of it's true. I just got to figure out which portion is true. I got to now detect the detective because I don't know what's 100% right. And then you look at the guy like Jim Cornette when sometimes you're like, God, I really do want you to talk forever. And then other times you're like, nope. I'm done. <laughs> so, I mean, take it as it is. But I think this has been uh, a pretty educational. I mean, I would have to say, push came to shove, gun to my head. Who's my who's who's my more tolerable? Metzler. Yeah. Meltzer. Meltzer. 100% <laughs> time. Jim Cornette. <clears throat> the ranting is, is too much. And it's too much to the point where I get a headache. I get actually migraines. I can, I can imagine. Like, I'm actually one of those guys <laughs> that I can actually sit through it. I actually enjoy it because coming from a mind of um, being such a, um, in, in, in a past life, uh, dealing with it through uh, actual through therapy and anger management. But uh, from a person who really, really genuinely struggles with anger on a daily basis, um, going and listening to that kind of a mind, I'm like, I totally understand how you would actually be this mad at... I have that that empathy for the fact that I get why you're getting this mad about these kinds of things because I genuinely would too. And then there's a case where it's like, okay, now it's time to actually take it back. And there's some primitive points that I listened to from Cornette when he actually brings his voice down. That's actually like, dude, you are one of the greatest, if not the greatest wrestling, underrated greatest wrestling mind of all time. And yeah, Dave Meltzer, he just brought in a whole new era of just being able to these two different minds. But the other guy that brought in this era of the fan that made the fan accessible to actually really have a voice. And then it made it acceptable for the fan to really have their own opinion of what they detect is really genuinely going on within the match. And there's maybe there's a little bit, there's way more to this than just watching a wrestling match or just watching a promo. So you would probably say, so just a long story short, Dave Metzler was like a godfather of the internet. I actually love them both for completely different reasons. I love them both for completely different reasons. Perfect. Well, you love them both. One, I can tolerate more than the other. Right I don't on. say it's love, but I can tolerate more than the <laughs> other. That's it. Episode 46 is in the bag. And one more time, just because I'm a nice guy, shouting out to my boy Derek and my niece Denver. Elise LeBleu! Elise Nominat! Elise LeBleu! Let's hope France kicks out and wins a World Cup on Saturday. That's it. I am your host with the most, George McKay. You know my cohort in crime. Steve the Animal Mitchell, everyone. Have an awesome, awesome night. Guys, that's it. 46. Done. Thank you all so much for tuning in. Catch us every Wednesday at 7.30 on Spreaker, Stitcher, Spotify, iHeartRadio, iTunes, and Google Play Music. Also, be sure to follow us on our social media platforms, Facebook and Instagram at Straight Talk Wrestling, and Twitter at underscore Straight Talk. Let's fly!